you are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Noah Gardner here with you on today's show as Jacob Goins heads out to Glenwood School for a Lee Scott Academy baseball game. That first pitch can be heard at 3 p.m. Central Time on AU100, sister station here at Auburn Networks. You can find that on 100.3 FM in the Auburn Opelika area or watch the video broadcast on the Lee Scott Sports Network Facebook page. Got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with me for the first hour of the show. Christian, it's good to see your face, man. It's been a little bit. Yeah, it has been a little bit. Beautiful weather out there today, though. And I also got to say, I think this is the first show that I've heard with the new intro music, and I really liked it. I just thought that. I was like, man, has it been that long since I've seen this dude in person, (laughs) since I've changed out the imaging and whatnot, the new music and everything? It's a vibe. Yeah, I like it. It's nice and calm, relaxing, really gets me in just a good mood for the show. Just wait till you hear the returns. Ooh, okay. They're even more of a vibe, dude. (laughs) Even more of a vibe. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Questions that you've got for me or Christian, we'll be glad to take your calls, questions, comments, anything on your mind going on in the sports world but we've got christian clemente of allmerdsports.com with us for the entire first hour of the show and we're going to start off the show today talking a little auburn basketball with christian we're going to break down the debacle in knoxville auburn's loss to the tennessee volunteers here for the first segment and kind of transition that to talking about what's going on the rest of the week with auburn basketball and trying to win the regular season championship outright but christian i do want your takeaways from what ha- from what happened in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, it was a situation where Bruce talked about it after the game. Tennessee crushed them on the boards, got a ton of offensive boards and something like 20 more possessions. You're not going to win a game like that. You're just simply not, especially on the road um, in a game where you don't shoot the ball overly well necessarily um, and you struggle. I mean, you had five players score. That's just not Auburn's strength. Auburn's strength is the fact that it plays nine guys – it runs teams out of the gym. It gets contributions from everybody. Everybody does a little bit, and then maybe you have a couple of guys with some big performances, but everybody contributes. And not everybody contributed in Knoxville, um, and that's kind of my biggest takeaway from the game, um, and that's something that Auburn really needs to adjust or needs to fix moving forward, I should say. Um, they just need the bench and some of the other supporting cast just to step up and support the stars a little bit more. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of places I think that you could point to where Auburn went wrong on Saturday. So that's how we're going to approach this over the next couple of minutes here. Different areas where Auburn needs to improve going into this final week, the SEC tournament and beyond. You bring up the offensive rebounds. I think Tennessee was plus 24 in rebounding or plus 23 in rebounding margin in this game due to the fact that they had 20 plus offensive rebounds. I want to ask you what was the vibe that you got from the coaching staff and from the players post game because I'll be honest last 10 minutes last 15 minutes of the game they looked like they had been through it they looked like they had gone to some serious work 
Yeah, uh, I mean, Bruce talked a little bit um, yesterday. It was he said that he didn't think that the team got out hustled necessarily, um, and that they were playing with a lot of good effort and energy. But Tennessee was just getting to the ball quicker than they were. They were just playing just a little bit faster. Um, some of that is luck, you know, just some long rebounds bounce Tennessee's way. Um, but then some of that can be some adjustments as well. Um, I think Tennessee was plus 10 or plus 9 in offensive boards, um, and they had 19 second-chance points, if I remember correctly, and that's just something that – Plus 10 in offensive rebounds. Okay, plus 10 and 19 second-chance points, I remember. I think I remember Man. correctly. So that's just something that's extremely tough to handle. Um, it's not something you see from Auburn a lot. I think the season high earlier um, is they had given up like 13 offensive boards in a game. Um, to maybe like South Florida or something like that. So it was kind of unheard of for Auburn this year. They've had some rebounding issues, but not like not like that. That was kind of the first game. They've just gotten bullied on the boards and just, I mean, I, they lost it by like 20-plus. We haven't it seen It was 23. That it was 54 to 31. Okay. It's jarring to see someone get more than 50 rebounds. Yeah, there was a point in the game where Tennessee had more rebounds in the 50s than Auburn had points in like the high 40s. It's, oh, man. Yeah. I mean – I don't want to call it a fluke, but like we haven't really seen that happen too much, at least to that extreme this year. You'll lose games on the boards. You're not ever really going to lose them that bad. So it's kind of a fluke in that sense. And Auburn sense. doesn't really lose games on the boards because they play such a great brand of defense that there's more opportunities for them to collect defensive rebounds, which artificially inflates rebounding margin which is why so many people go to rebounding percentage, whether it be offensive rebounding or defensive rebounding percentage. Auburn doesn't really lose on the boards ever. So you're right. This is an anomaly. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to write it off as a fluke because there are some concerns there and you have to address them. Um, but losing by five on the road in Knoxville to a really tough Tennessee team where you get crushed on the boards like that, you can kind of live with that and move forward. I know some Auburn fans are going to be upset by that because a lot of Auburn fans were very upset after the loss, and they think that the world is burning down and that this team already peaked and that everything is over, but I promise everything is not over. Looking at another area that contributed to a five-point loss for Auburn, Tennessee was plus 10 in free throws made, and they had 12 more attempts at the charity stripe. 27 to Auburn's 15. This is something that we've talked about a lot. I know Bruce Pearl brought it up yesterday. Auburn's fouling too much. On the road, Auburn's not going to get as many calls as a team like Tennessee or Florida the week before or Arkansas. We've seen that Auburn has one of the larger disparities when it comes to the charity stripe when they're on the road compared to any other team in the Southeastern Conference. Do you see that changing for Auburn moving forward? I don't know if that's going to change considering where we're at in the season. I mean, that's been an issue pretty much all year. Um, they've been fouling just a little bit more than other teams do, and they just don't draw as many fouls. Um, there's been a couple times. I don't remember. I, I want to say maybe it was like the old Miss away game or something like that where before the game Bruce said, hey, we need to start drawing fouls more, and then they went to the free throw line a lot. Um, could be totally wrong on Ole Miss there, but there was at one point where they got to the line a lot. But I think it was that old Miss game. Okay, but there's just – there, there's not been a ton of free throws for this team. Um, I feel like they draw a lot of fouls. Katie Johnson, I feel like, draws fouls when he goes to the basket. Jabari draws a decent amount of fouls. Not this particular game, but I agree with you on average. Yeah, but for whatever reason, the numbers just don't kind of add up there. So I think this, kind of what you were saying, the numbers, I don't know if that's an area Auburn – I mean, defensively, they can stop fouling a little bit. They can do a little bit better there, but 
I don't know if they're going to be able to draw too many more fouls per game. I want to ask you this, and I asked this in fun, and I've asked a lot of different people this, and I buy into it to a degree. I'm not going to say that it's the only reason why Auburn's playing poorly on the road, but I do think playing with a Nike basketball is a factor. I think it's a factor, yeah, but I don't think it's, it's like not a condemning factor. I think the biggest factor is playing in front of 20,000 people yes. that'll cheer, that are cheering against you. Um, I think that's the biggest factor, but the Nike basketball, to some extent, I mean, you just look at and the a numbers. small extent. Yeah. I think it affects you a little bit, but not. It's not condemning. It's not the reason why Auburn is losing. Yeah, exactly. on the road. It's like, oh, that's like part of the problem, but it's a small part of the problem. Looking at Auburn's sixty-seven to sixty-two loss to number seventeen Tennessee, who's moved up to number thirteen. I don't understand how Tennessee and Arkansas were not a part of the top ten this week. Yeah, I mean, these are two. Uh, Arkansas especially I think Arkansas is playing incredible basketball I think they could be the favorite to win the SEC tournament just gonna point out some glaring statistics right now 4-0 against top 25 opponents this year and they've beaten everybody else inside the top four yeah I mean Arkansas is playing really good I think they will regress at some point um like JD Note is not going to be able to keep up this ridiculous pace the offense isn't efficient they take a lot of shots miss a lot of shots they're like Alabama in that respect but what they are completely different than Alabama and they play great defense Mm -hmm. yeah I mean Arkansas I don't know just because I don't cover them as much I think they're playing incredible right now I could see that carrying into the SEC tournament or I could also see them starting to slow down a little bit here and reach the mean a little bit more um but i i think arkansas is an incredible team i think tennessee is a pretty good team as well um i don't know if i would have them top 10 i would consider arkansas top 10 after they beat kentucky um kentucky did have severe wheeler and ty ty back they severe looked okay ty ty probably should not have been playing in that game but they still beat technically a fully loaded kentucky team so they should probably be top 10 tennessee right around the fringe for me personally Speaking with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com here on the Tuesday edition of the show. If you want to call in 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Any questions that you've got for us, comments that you want to make about Auburn basketball right now. One other negative that I want to go to right now, get your thoughts on it as well as what is this team, what is this coaching staff saying, and it's the topic of Auburn's guard play, the backcourt has been a fatal flaw for Auburn in losses. Now, they've had a couple of close wins on the road, like a Georgia or Missouri when the guards haven't played well, but down the stretch, and their three losses in the month of February, the guard play has been the fatal flaw. Yeah, I mean, it's been an issue. You've seen if you get big physical defensive guards, they're going to cause an issue for Wendell Green, who I consider Zepp Jasper is the starting point guard, but Wendell usually plays more minutes. Plus 11 in that category. He had 28. Zeb Jasper had 17 against Tennessee. Yeah, there you go. Um, And, I mean, even for Katie Johnson to an extent, too, if you get bigger physical guards that play really solid defense, they're going to cause some issues for this team. And I think that's just something that uh, Auburn's guards just need to make some adjustments a little bit. It's almost like they need to watch their own scouting report a little bit more. Um, Because Wendell Green, he's been getting scouted really well. And he just keeps playing his game. And I understand you want to play your game. But, but two they, for two for fifteen's not a good game to play. <laughs> yeah, but they're but they're scouting his game. They're daring him to take the deep shot. And it 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 wasn't connecting against Tennessee. Um and he didn't really adapt and he wasn't able to really get to the basket very well. Um he's not really the quickest guard necessarily. Um 
and teams have kind of figured that out and slowed it down. I do think there's adjustments they can make, and this backcourt can be okay. Look, Wendell is a – I've been saying it since, like, the summer. He's a streaky player. He's in a slump right now. I think he'll be able to snap out of it. I know he'll be able to snap out of it at some point. He's going to shoot better than two for 15. He's great at home. It's the road yeah. games where he's struggling right now. And guess what? Auburn's not going to play in an environment like this ever again this year. Yeah. There's not going to be 20,000 hostile fans in an arena without 20,000 Auburn fans there with you, right? Not not again. Yeah, exactly. They're they're done on the road. They're good. They still Starkville, but that's not going to be nearly as bad. So I, I think this backcourt, while people are – rightfully concerned about it can still be okay look if you get more of the old miss game out of zep jasper too this backcourt is really strong you just need zep to be a little bit more aggressive offensively because he's shown he can do it but sometimes he just doesn't do it quite as much which is okay because he's so strong defensively but you would like to see him step up a little bit offensively and then katie johnson you would like to see him shoot the ball a little bit better he's been in a pretty big shooting slump wing player guard i'm gonna count him as part of the backcourt Hasn't quite fit in. Really has only had a couple of good games since he's come back. Al Flanagan, where does he fit in? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Allen is kind of an interesting case because, you know, it, it's almost like it's his sophomore season. I know he's technically in his third year now, but last year he played point guard, and that's just not the position he needs to be playing at all. And then he comes back from an Achilles injury, moves back to small forward, so he's trying to develop back at his natural position. He goes from being the number one or the number two option last year to being like the fourth or the fifth option and having to change his role. Um, and he's not doing a whole lot offensively. And so far that's been kind of okay. And the coaching staff has been okay with that because he plays really solid defense. He gets rebounds. He gets, he has a lot of unfortunate turnovers. He has a lot of good passes. There was a pass against Tennessee he set up Walker perfectly, and it bounced off Walker's back because he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't looking. So I think he gets dinged a little bit with just some unfortunate turnovers and some unfortunate things. He needs to reel in his game a little bit. He struggles with um, – he runs into defenders a lot, and defenders take a lot of charges against him because he does play pretty physical. But, I mean, if they can just get a little bit more production out of him offensively, I think he can really move this team forward. Um, one of the things I'd like to see a little bit they experimented with it in one game was instead of him catching the ball in the three-point line, he was catching it a little bit more at the foul line. Um, so there's not quite as much space there for him to drive to the basket and potentially knock down a defender and uh, the defender draw the charge. And it worked pretty well. I think that was the game he dropped 16 points. The A&M game. Yes. Um, and so I'd like to see them go back to that a little bit more because he looked a little more comfortable there and he was not quite as out of control um, as he is sometimes. But I still think he's a really good contributor to this team. A lot of people are very tough on Alan Flanagan. I still think he's a great contributor to this team. Looking at someone that only played five minutes on Saturday, and part of this was foul trouble. He had three fouls, and just when you're coming off the bench and with Auburn's front court also taking up so many minutes, you look at Auburn starters, they played more minutes on Saturday than they typically do. Jalen Williams only got five minutes on Saturday, and I think – this coaching staff would probably agree that he needs more minutes than that, but I'm even saying more minutes than his average right now. How much should Jalen Williams' role be increasing? Because we've had some people ask about that. I don't think Auburn should do whole-scale tinkering with the lineup, but I do think a couple more minutes here and there for Jalen Williams maybe could serve this team some good. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, the thing I would probably like to see would be him playing the five a little bit. Really? Um, playing that small ball five like he did last year. Many people have suggested the three. Uh, I don't think that would really work necessarily. Why? Just curious. I, I just think he's a little too big. Like he's too big for the position. Like opposing wins or guards. It's more like a center than a guard? Yeah. Opposing wins and guards are going to be able to get past him. Like he's he's fast, but he's not that fast. Um, I don't know. I just wouldn't really experiment with him at the three. And also, in Bruce Pearl's system, the two and the three are the same, and the four and the five are kind of the same. So he's been learning the four and the five. He doesn't know really anything about the two and the three. So that's not really a change that could be made right now, I don't think. Um, but I I would agree with you. I think he needs to get a few more minutes. Coaching staff would agree with that. Against Tennessee, it was kind of a situation where Jabari was cooking. Jalen got into foul trouble and they played Jabari a little bit more than they usually do, but obviously, I mean, Jabari was kind of going nuts, so you kind of just have to keep him on the floor. Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the entire first hour of the Tuesday edition of the show. If you've got any thoughts, questions, comments, we want to hear from you about it. We're going to take our first break of the show, and when we come back, Christian is going to tell you why it's not time to panic everybody quit freaking out yesterday it was the title of the show was it's still not time to panic with auburn basketball we're going to echo that sentiment when we come back you're listening to on the line back on on the line noah gardner christian clemente with you on espn 106.7 and fox sports central alabama tuesday edition of the show Got Christian Clemente once again of AuburnSports.com with us talking a little Auburn basketball here in this segment. Then when we come back for our next segment, we're going to talk a little Auburn football recruiting and Auburn strategy for the 2023 cycle. See what Christian's got on Auburn football recruiting, the latest of what they've got going on this upcoming year. But Auburn basketball, we were talking about all the things that went wrong in Knoxville on Saturday. Now it's time to talk about why it's not time to panic. I've been on this hill and you can see the mob has slowly formed over the last couple of weeks with this Auburn basketball team, and it's wild to me. It does feel a little bit like Auburn football culture is trickling into Auburn basketball. It's like, chill out, guys. They're 25-4. and four. Yeah, they're the number five team in the country. And honestly, should be higher than that. Yeah, I would agree with that. They should probably be ahead of Arizona. But <laughs> either way, you're still a top five team in the country. You're pretty much a lock to be at least a two seed in the tournament. Right now in Joe Lenardi's bracketology, they are the highest ranked two seed. They're barely not a one. Yeah, and people are, oh, they can't win on the road. They have the best road record, and guess what? They've got one road game left. Uh, people are saying, oh, they can't win on the road. The tournament is not on the road. The tournament is neutral site games. They are not With a Wilson basketball. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are not going to experience anything like Knoxville or Gainesville or Fayetteville or even Starkville like tomorrow again after Starkville tomorrow they don't have to face a, another road game and we've seen this team in neutral sites already this year in the Bahamas and they and, did pretty well yeah and that was even without Alan Flanagan and before this team really had found its identity I would say before they got good I think that's yeah. more of the point that to stress than maybe the Al Flanagan port because I, I don't know if Al Flanagan has done a ton since he's came back I know you may disagree with that a little bit I but think he's helped solidify the rotation he's a, a glue bit. guy yeah Look, I think Alan Flanagan could be, assuming he's back next year, he could be a really big part of next year's team, but 
he's taken a backseat role on this year's team, which has been kind of tough. Um, you can see the frustration at times because he wants to do more and he wants to be a little bit better, but he's stepped into a role, played incredible defense. Um, and like you said, he's, he's a glue guy for this team. He knows Jabari should probably have the ball in his hands. And so he gets it to Jabari, but he can step up when Auburn needs him. I'm still really confident in him, but back to the main point, the ceiling is not falling. Auburn has not peaked. I would argue Auburn has yet to even play its best, best basketball yet. People are saying, Oh, well, you know, they're struggling at the wrong time. Auburn still has two regular season games left and the SEC tournament before the tournament starts. They have plenty of time before the main thing starts here. They have plenty of time. You know what I think happened? A lot of people built up in their minds that there was going to be this breakthrough game in February for Auburn basketball because that's what happened in 2019. They think that this team would follow a similar trajectory or similar path what they've only ever seen once in their lifetime in a final four run back in 2019 and I'm guilty of it to a degree I talked about that a little bit I said look and that was part of my points as to why people shouldn't have panicked when Auburn started seeing some struggles in February I said look remember the 2019 team they had struggled for the first half of the month and then broke through at the end there's still time right but I think people built up in their mind that that was how it was going to happen, and now people are freaking out because it didn't happen, right? Yeah, and no. This but is, there's still time. Yeah, there's still time, and it still might not even happen. Auburn is still winning a lot of games. It's better that they're winning close games than not. I mean, I get that they've lost three straight road games, but... I'm glad you said that because the rest of college basketball is losing too, and I'm not just talking about this past Saturday. Yeah. I was saying that before this past Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it's better to come out and win a close one at Georgia than lose it. 100%. Talking about Auburn basketball with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Breaking down why it is not time to panic. If you've got some thoughts on that, if you are an unrelenting optimist that is angering the rest of your peers, we want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-322-7502. Likewise, though, I still think it is fair. Auburn basketball is not above reproach. And it is fair to point out the things that we pointed out in the first segment that there is room for improvement if they want to win it all. Yeah, I certainly think that's fair. Look, the only thing I'm concerned about that I don't know if this team can fix is its three-point shooting. They're kind of a streaky team. Wendell is a streaky player. KD is a bit of a streaky player. Those are two of kind of your X factors on this team, and they're not always hot. I think you can count on Jabari to pretty much always be hot outside of a couple outliers. Only three players hit a three on Saturday for Auburn and Jabari was three for nine yeah. the other two only hit one yeah but I mean that's like the only thing that I think you can point to and say I don't know if this can get better in March as in in the tournament the three-point shooting I think the guard play can get better um, I think the contributions from the bench can get better um, I, I well then my question to you then because you know they've got the green light they've got the green light that's what it's been talked about with Bruce Pearl for years now last five years has been the green light right and somebody called in yesterday, Ed called in yesterday, and said, well, maybe it is time to get rid of the green light for a couple of these players. Where do you stand on that? No, that's not Bruce Pro basketball. And who are you? Could that ultimately be the demise, though, for this basketball team, too? Like, could, could Is that fair to say, though, if, if they don't recalibrate a little bit? Like, if you know you're a bad three-point shooting team and you keep chucking it up there and missing 19 to 25 threes a game, it's fair to say that that is ultimately going to be your demise down the stretch because it has been in this month. Yeah, I guess you could. I mean, I would 
I don't know. I would say, I guess maybe you could tell players to have a yellow light, but I would not tell. I like that. <laughs> Going back to the traffic yep. light of recruiting. I like that. I, I would not tell anyone of the normal players that we shoot threes or that we see shoot threes. There's not anyone that I would say, hey, just stop shooting threes. Here's what I would like to see. Curb the step back with your back to the bench, falling away, three-pointers early in the shot yeah, clock. they can take better shots. Yeah. But I would still encourage them to keep shooting threes. Wendell Green struggled, went two for 15. I don't know what he shot on three. One for seven. One for seven. I, I still want Wendell Green taking six to seven threes a game. In Starkville, I want him taking six to seven threes in the game. He shot, I think he went like three of nine against Ole Miss. He hit his first three and then went 0 for six. I still want him taking all those threes. Look, Wendell Green is a streaky player. These are, for better or worse, this is a streaky team. These players are hot, and sometimes they are just clearly off. And for Auburn's sake, it's going to hope that they're hot during the tournament. But they've shown that even when they're not hot, there's enough contributors on this team and there's enough talent on this team, they can win. Whether it's Jabari or Walker or Wendell or KD, someone is going to step up and someone will have a big enough game to keep them in it. Looking at Window Green's season averages compared to last year, just some interesting stuff to point out here. I'm just curious about your thoughts on some of these things. In four less minutes per game here at Auburn, he is averaging two less field goal attempts per game, one less make. He's shooting 37% from the field last year. He shot 40%. From three, he has experienced nearly a 5% drop in the three-point shot. He's hitting only 31% of his threes, taking one more three per game at Auburn this year. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. I just think Wendell's experiencing. I mean, he's playing up. Yep. He was at, uh, He took a giant skill jump, right? Yeah, too? Exactly. So it's fair to think that some of these numbers would come down. These That's the first time, me asking you this, that is the first time I've seen these numbers okay, compared yeah. to last year. I mean, and his SEC numbers are a little bit down, too. He's still adjusting to this level of play. Um and so I think it'll take a little bit of time. I think an interesting point that Bruce made earlier in the season is last year, Wendell had to win. Or Wendell had to have a big game for his team to win. Wendell doesn't have to have a big game for this Auburn team to win this year. But if he does have a big game, obviously that's huge for this team. And some things that he's improved on at Auburn that he wasn't doing as well at Eastern Kentucky. He's cut down on his turnovers by .5. He's still averaging as many assists as he did last year, which he had more minutes per game last year, and he's getting more boards. So I think he's doing more things without the basketball necessarily in his hands. He's doing more positive things. But his shooting is that that's curious. It's the first time I'd ever seen that. I wanted to ask you about it. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk a little Auburn football recruiting with Christian Clemente. Thirty-three minutes into hour number one of the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Christian Clemente, with you. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We've talked a lot of Auburn basketball here for the first half hour of the show. Talked about Auburn's shortcomings in Knoxville, really shortcomings across the whole month. I think you can extrapolate a lot of things from the Tennessee game and say, yeah, they've been dealing with this for the past three or four weeks. And then we've talked a little bit, though, about why it's also not time to panic. Some of these things have been considering Auburn only has four losses, 
sprinkled anomalies throughout the year. Let's talk a little Auburn football, though. Latest with Auburn football recruiting, Christian. Yeah, well, the dead period lifted. Uh, today is March 1st, right? Yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> they texted yeah. it out this morning. They had their video on Twitter, tweeted it out, not texted it out. Well, the Cruton finger, it's back. Uh, yeah, technically it is. Uh, but <laughs> the dead period's over, so recruits can start visiting. Um, I think there's maybe going to be a handful of kids on campus this weekend. Nothing too crazy. Um, I think we talked about it last week. The biggest thing for Auburn this month is they need to salvage the early part of this class because they kind of pulled the bag a little bit in January in terms of getting kids on campus. So it's still about 2022's class right now in your mind. Uh, yeah. Well, so you're not turning the page as much to this next year cycle. You think that they're still looking to get guys in from this class? Oh no, I'm I'm just no. Well, yes, with the transfer portal, they still want to get guys in. But I'm talking like this upcoming class, the December signing day. Oh, like okay. They like the the month of January just did not go overly well in terms of getting 2023 kids in. Um, the junior day did not work out very well at all. Um, they barely got any kids on campus. They had like two of the top 20 kids in the state come, and one of them is Braden Joyner, who's already committed here. Um, so I think this month is about it's. It almost feels like it's already salvage time. It, which is very early in this class, but they need Let's to catch up. They need to, yeah, they need to catch up. They're a little behind already, um, which kind of makes sense. They had some staff turnover and whatnot, but they've been working very hard to do that. Um, they've re- uh, expanded the recruiting staff even more. Obviously, they have these new guys in positions. Christian Robinson is linebacker coach. Um, your new wide receiver coach, Ike Hilliard, and et cetera. Um, Jimmy Brumball on the defensive line. Yeah. And so they're going to be getting a ton of kids on campus this month. Um, and they're trying to plan. It's not a junior day, but just an event of sorts um, on Saturday, March 19th, um, to kind of replicate what a junior day would be. Um, and so far, it sounds like it's going to be pretty successful. Of getting Why can't kids you campus. just have a ton of events like that? Why can't you just make up events? Why guess, does it have to be a junior day? Why can't it just be, hey, we're throwing a party today. You're invited. I guess you could do that technically, yeah. But like, like a cookout, wink, wink. I'm joking. Oh gosh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but I just think they want to, they want to make it a spectacle. They want to make it really big. Um, they want, they want Braden there. They want the players to have something to watch. They'll watch like a practice. They want to have stuff for them to do, stuff like that. So why did it flop the first time? And what is going to go better this time to make it successful? Well, I. Not sure what's going to make it more successful this time, but it seems like they're doing a better job of getting kids committed. Promoting to it. it better, maybe. Promoting it better, getting kids on campus. They sent out flyers this time. Yeah. Um, and, and to be fair, there wasn't a huge level of concern the first time from Auburn staff because a lot of the kids decided to go elsewhere. They went to Clemson, they went to Georgia, they went to LSU, they went to Alabama. Um, and Auburn wasn't overly concerned because they knew they could get them on campus in March or get them on campus for a day in April. But in theory, can't those schools do that too? So from an outside perspective, like for me, it was still a little concerning that, Hey, Clemson just had its, uh, junior day the weekend before. And rather than going to Auburn's junior day this weekend, this kid's going back over to Clemson this weekend. So it was a little concerning for me. Um, Auburn staff, Obviously realized that it probably didn't turn out quite as well as they wanted it, but um, I mean, they're trying to do a better job with the event that they're going to hold this month. 
If you've got questions, if you've got thoughts, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. So that's the latest with Auburn football recruiting. I think you've mentioned to me last week when we had you on on Friday with the phone call, a silent commit. I know you can't talk about that, but I just want to remind everybody that that was something that you mentioned. Yeah, there's still... um... I've heard more and more rumblings that there is a silent commit right now, um, and he would plan to announce his commitment um, on that weekend. So there's a little bit of momentum that you can get for that weekend, get the guys that are there excited, stuff like that. So um, Auburn's class is a little behind already, but it's still very early on in the cycle. You don't have to panic too much. Well, let's talk about strategy for the 2023 cycle. How will Auburn refine it? Because a lot of people were dissatisfied with this previous recruiting class where I think they did very well in December, January and February, obviously. The most recent signing day that occurred, it did not go well. Overall, there is a lot of room for improvement for Auburn football recruiting right now. So what maybe, you know, where are some areas maybe that this coaching staff is looking to refine its recruiting strategy for the 2023 cycle? Yeah, so I think one of the things you're going to see change a little bit, um, we talked about going all around the country to go and find kids i think you're going to see that limited a little bit more more towards the south um just this area alabama georgia florida louisiana um i mean how often were they really that successful i mean they got michael riley ducker who they, else am i forgetting they really weren't that much like they spent a lot of time just on him? darius clemens and that obviously didn't pan out spent time on some other guys out in that area and it obviously didn't pan out um, and I think one of the biggest lessons, one of my biggest takeaways personally from the February signing day was they got on Jack Pyburn a little bit before the December signing day and got him to delay his decision, which then obviously ended up being Florida in February. If they had maybe spent a little more time on him from the get-go and been focusing on this area a little bit more, they probably don't end up missing out on him to Florida he might flip and then sign to um, Auburn on the December signing day so I just think they need to focus on this area a little bit more and I think they will do that you look at Ike Hilliard he's a guy who has a lot of Florida ties he'll be good in this area Uh, Brumbaugh he has Auburn connections he'll be good in this area as well Uh, Christian Robinson is just leaving Florida he'll have connections there as well so I I just think they're going to I don't know what the term would be rather than expand they're going to they're just going to zero in on this area a little bit more. And I think that's a good thing. Let's head to the phone lines now. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We got Terry on the line with us now. Terry, it's good to hear from you, man. How you doing? Great. No, how you doing, buddy? Doing real well. What's up? Hey, Christian, how you doing? Good, thanks. How about you? Doing well, doing well. Um, I've always I heard, here, day in and out, I hear how next year in the state of Alabama is just such a great year of recruiting. And and how do you think Auburn will do? And I think it's important, imperative they do really good. Because I think if he does bad, it's just it's just another it's just a stab Brian Hurst. First, I think they just need to tell the bum to go back to Idaho. But um, he's a bad hire. I'm sorry, he just is. And 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 it, it, we better pray right now as Auburn fans that Arch Manning doesn't go to Alabama. Because if he does, Nick Saban's going to win three national titles with him and get out of there. Maybe that's the best thing for Auburn. But that's what's going to happen. But being the state is so good next year. What is your opinion? If Auburn lands two or three guys, that's not a successful year. I'm sorry, it's just not. And here's so much negativity about Brian Harson's lack of wanting to recruit. And at Boise State, he kind of recruited itself because he had such a machine going. It's kind of similar to what Alabama has. I mean, that's that's become kind of the destination school out there. Now that now that Lincoln Rome is at USC, I don't know if it'll be the destination school anymore. 
Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. Um, I don't think you can just go and get two or three guys out of the state and call that a success. They already have one in Braden Joyner, but there's still a lot more talent in this state. Um, and they feel like there's, I would say there's maybe three or four guys they feel really good about. So maybe you end up with like five. But I mean, even just all 20 guys, the top 20 kids in the state of Alabama are all extremely talented. So I don't know if you would even consider five a success. I would want to see closer to like, seven eight maybe even nine nine might be pushing it more like seven eight but we'll see what they're able to do I think they're a little behind um you've seen there's three really really talented kids over at central and all three of them don't seem to have a huge interest in Auburn so that would be kind of a tough that's in your backyard yeah that's not good that's really not good Uh, for for hearts trying to win and trying to win like I said, I hope he has a good year, but I just, I just, I can't understand anybody believing in Zach Galzada. I just can't see it. I mean, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I just can't. Me and Noah went around. I think he has a different view than I do, but I, I just can't see Zach Galzada being a savior for Auburn University. I just, I just can't see it. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That just, that just has disaster written all over it to me. Yeah, I don't know if he could necessarily be a savior. I think he could be a serviceable quarterback for Auburn this year. Um, they do believe in him a lot. They think he has what I was told, an NFL-level arm um, in terms of his arm talent um, and his ability to throw the ball um, down the field. But I I would agree with you a little bit. I'm not 100% sold on Zach Calzada this year. Well, what that Christian said, he got an NFL arm throw down the field. Who's going to catch it? Yeah, that's a good point, too. There's not a whole <laughs> lot of receivers here. <laughs> so uh, Who's going to block like for him? I can remember my grandfather having a restaurant when I was a little boy, and he said he had a guy that could cook 20 hamburgers at one time. I said, yeah, but who ordered them? <laughs> that's so, a good question. You know, you know, that, that, that's that's what you have to ask yourself, and I, I just don't see it. I, I just don't. You know, I don't. I don't see the Zach Calzada thing panning out. Maybe Robbie Ashford will. I don't know. I, did you, in your opinion, do you think Demetrius Davis will be at Auburn after spring? Uh, I don't. I think he would probably end up being one of the odd men out if he doesn't end up being really towards the top of that depth chart, as in like one or two. Um, I think he might transfer out, but that's just a guess. I don't really have anything to back that up. You know, I felt like he was a guy that Gus Malzahn, uh, the kind of quarterback he needed to recruit long before he did. He kept wanting, um, you know, the, the, the Sean Whites and, and um, Jared Stenham, those guys, who are fine quarterbacks, don't get me wrong, but they just didn't fit the system. Yeah, he's a... And, um, you know, I'm a big proponent that, that he, he didn't go out and get Lamar Jackson when he, could, when, he, when he said he wanted Jared Stenham. Well, how'd that work out? Yeah, I mean, I think D. Davis is a prime Gus Malzahn quarterback. Um, back in the day, think of, like, he reminds me a lot of Nick Marshall. Um, you look mm-hmm. at Malik Willis, who ended up obviously leaving and going to Liberty. I don't know if Malik ever turns into what he is now if he stays at Auburn, but still, those are the guys that I think Gus succeeds with. Um, and maybe, maybe D. Davis, if he does end up transferring, goes to UCF. Or who knows what happens? I, I really well, I don't know about know. Malik Willis either, but I do know this: he'll have as much money as Noah over there. Before it's all said and done. <laughs> Take care, guys. Appreciate it, Terry. I don't know what that was supposed to mean. I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us on the show here. We're going to keep talking for a few minutes and then go to our final break of hour number one. Appreciate the call, Terry. If you want to call in, just like Terry, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Last question to you here, Christian, before we go to break. What is Auburn's most pressing concern at the moment? It doesn't necessarily have to be recruiting right now, March 1st. What is the most pressing concern at the moment for Auburn football? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me wrap back to the quarterback thing real quick. Um, in terms of D. Davis, I have been hearing really good things about how he's looked in workouts, how he's progressed as kind of a leader of this team, 
and he is working his way towards the top of that depth chart. I'm still personally a little skeptical. Um, I just don't know how he'll fit in Brian Horson's system running that offense, but I've heard some good things so far going into year two. As for Auburn's biggest concern right now, I would probably say the receiver room. Um, you, They are going to get a boost. I think Javarius Johnson is going to end up staying and withdrawing his name from the transfer portal. So that is a boost. But, I mean, Shedrick Jackson is wide receiver one. You've got Javarius Johnson. You've got Xavion Capers maybe taking a step forward. Three incoming freshmen. Three freshmen. Tavares Dawson. Tavares. I've heard good things about him as well, but still. You're relying on some freshmen. Uh, Tavares, who's basically he, he'll be a redshirt freshman. He only played in one game last year. Um, I, they really need to go out and get a couple of guys that are experienced the transfer portal, in my opinion, at wide receiver. That's my biggest concern for how this team will be next year. But what are the odds that someone that's experienced is transferring after the spring? Because wouldn't you expect them to still have their their job on lockdown? And if they were truly unhappy, wouldn't that decision have been made at the end of the regular season yeah no you're right so i kind of wonder if they dropped the ball on receiver which is a great pun for the moment (laughs) maybe a little bit i mean they wanted uh the transfer from louisiana uh kyron lacy i think his name was and he ended up going to lsu um they really liked him so like the james madison transfer yeah the james madison transfer so they've missed out on some guys there um but i mean the transfer portal is also a little bit of luck too you never know who's going to enter the transfer portal and you just kind of have to hope and Hope and pray that someone enters the portal and then you got to go out and pursue them um, aggressively. One advantage Auburn does have, and we talked about this last week as well, is they still have a lot of spots open. They have 10 spots open. A lot of these schools are full already, but Auburn has 10 spots they can still go out and fill through the transfer portal. So they'll be aggressive if there's a guy in the portal they want. We saw some JUCO players coming around this time last year, a little bit after the cornerback, for some reason, whose name is a miss to me because we never really saw him play this year, but there was a Juco transfer cornerback last year. Uh, it was the... Roe Torrance? Yes, Roe Torrance. We saw somebody like him last year at that time. What are the odds that we see something like that again going into this year? Probably pretty low. Yep. There's nothing that I've heard so far. It's mostly going to be transfer portal. Sounds good. Well, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number one. Ramping up hour number one of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I told you to wait for the returns, man. Yeah. Have you, nice. It's been a vibe, right? Yeah. It's a vibe today. The weather, the music, it's a vibe. It's good to have you on the show again, I guess, for the first time in a long time because I changed these this imaging and uh, like <laughs> over a month ago. It's good to have you back, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Christian Wrapping up the hour here with you, let's go back to Auburn basketball. Some bracketology was released this morning from Joe Lenardi. Auburn, the top two seed of the bunch. What does Auburn have to do up until the start of the NCAA tournament? So talk about these last two games in the SEC tournament to get a one seed. Probably win out. I mean, I don't think they can – I think they'll win the next two games. Or someone colossally fail above them. But I still think they would have to win out because some of the teams behind them are right behind them. Like if they don't win out and like Kentucky wins the SEC tournament, Kentucky probably jumps Auburn um, in that scenario. Um, So I think Auburn needs to win out to get a one seed. Um, Maybe you disagree with me there. I don't know. I don't pay attention to bracketology super heavily. I think you're right. Um, But it, it feels like they well, they obviously need to win the next two regular season games, and I feel confident that they will. The fact that Arizona is still in their standing supports the notion 
that I've had for a couple weeks that people have been looking for reasons to drop Auburn. Now, I've been a little shocked to see the slow fall in the polls. There were a couple weeks where I was like, really, they're third this week? How are they only third? I really expected them to drop a little bit harder last week, specifically after they lost to Florida. But it does seem like in the realm of the SEC, there have been a lot of people looking for reasons to put a team like Kentucky above Auburn. Yeah, people love this Kentucky team. And I think this Kentucky team's really good, but I don't think they're as good as Auburn. And we saw They it proved on, it. Yeah, we saw it play out on the court. Um Kentucky fans will disagree because of Ty Ty Washington. Undefeated, but. never lost. Auburn doesn't <laughs> lose to Kentucky. Um uh, but no, I just think uh in terms of the tournament, I You don't I, think I don't, it matters a whole lot for Auburn to be a one or a two seed, probably. I don't think it really matters all that much at the yeah. end of the day. Auburn's still gonna be I think I, I think Auburn could honestly win the next two regular season games, lose the first game of the SEC tournament, and still probably holds on to a two seed. Oh, yeah. The threes aren't strong enough, I don't yeah. think, to So Auburn, Auburn is basically, assuming they don't lose one of the next two regular season games, which I don't think they will, I think they've solidified a two seed, which is perfectly fine. That's still... Um, trying to think of Auburn basketball history here. That's probably the first time they've been a two seed. Maybe. I don't know. That's kind of a guess. I don't know. I don't know deep history there quite as well as I probably should. Um, I'll go look it up real quick. Yeah, my youth is showing here. But either way, still, being a two seed. I don't know what you're talking about. There are old Auburn basketball fans that (laughs) don't remember or don't know that because they didn't care back then, you know? But either way, being a two seed, being a one seed, basically about the same. As soon as you drop to the three line, that's where you do have to play a little bit of a scary team in the first round. There can be some sneaky 14 seeds. Auburn was a one seed in 1999. I knew there was a time where there was a one seed. Okay, They were a one seed back with Chris Porter and them in 1999. Lost in the Sweet 16 by 8 to Ohio State. Well, that's what happens when I just talk without actually knowing what (laughs) I'm talking about. Well, to be fair, you were correct. They have never been a two seed. Oh, yeah, exactly. See? (laughs) No. They have been higher than that, but they have never been a two seed. In fact, they have also never been a three seed, but they have been a four and five on many different occasions. Never been a six. <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, but, I mean, Auburn's basically played their way. I mean, I feel like they've also played their way into Greenville, um, and they've almost solidified that as their first round um, spot, which is pretty good for Auburn. It's relatively it's quick close drive, to man. It's Great. not a hard drive. Yeah, and especially for all the fans in the Georgia, Atlanta area, stuff like that. Um, that'd be a nice first round for Auburn. I mean, literally for Auburn folks, hop on 85, man. Yeah. It's not a hard drive. And one more point. This is going back to like what we talked about in the second segment. I saw people saying this team doesn't make it to the second weekend. Are you kidding me? They're not going to beat a 15 or a 16 seed and then beat a 7, 10, 8, or 9? Are you kidding me? What do you mean? This team has lost, what is it, four games this season? Yeah, four games. And it was to UConn, uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Florida. Only one of those teams even closely resembles an eight seed out of that group. Yeah. Everyone else, Auburn's handled. So I agree with you. You lost to UConn in a neutral site where you don't have one of your players you have now. This team, not even remotely close to what that team was back then. This Auburn team has progressed a lot since then. And then you lose three road games in the SEC in extremely hostile environments. Auburn, unless it's a wildly unfavorable matchup in the second game, Auburn will be in the second weekend and in the Sweet 16. To be fair, would you say Elite Eight is more of a question? Sweet Uh, 16, you could run into somebody. Yeah, you could, certainly. But people that were saying Auburn doesn't make it to the second weekend. Yeah. 
after their fourth loss, I think that's absurd. Like, the fan base, the 19 winning streak was great and all, but the fan base got some unrealistic expectations a little bit, I think, there. It was the football culture trickling into basketball, I'm telling you. It's it's yeah. the football mindset. Yeah. Basketball that. season is a marathon, not a sprint. Christian, I appreciate your time with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Noah. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Hour number two coming up at 3 p.m. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Tuesday to everyone out there. Hope everyone's having a blessed Tuesday afternoon. One more hour left in the show. Then it'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pagg. Just me on the show today. We just had Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Jacob Goins headed off to Glenwood School. 3.30 first pitch. I've been made aware for Lee Scott Baseball at Glenwood School. Major rivalry doubleheader matchup there. You can hear it on our sister station, AU100, 100.3 FM in the Auburn Opelika area if you want to tune in to some Lee Scott Academy baseball. Once again, 100.3 FM. Jacob Goins will have the call out there in Smith Station. We're going to start off hour number two with some making headlines in just a moment. But once again, if you've missed any of the show so far today, go and find the show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Let's get started on hour number two with Making Headlines. Making Headlines. Start off with a little Auburn baseball here. Haven't touched on it in a whole lot. We've talked a lot of Auburn basketball up to this point. So Auburn football recruiting as well, once again, with Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. Auburn baseball today hosting Alabama State as the Tigers look to bounce back from a loss to yell. And I'm going to tell you, if you haven't been to a baseball game yet, A, this would be a probably I'll say probably it is still the game of baseball but still probably a good game to go to for Auburn and then second of all it is beautiful weather March hits and we've got a breeze the sun is out it is optimal baseball viewing weather here early in the season not too hot you might get sunburned a little bit I believe it or not I got sunburned this past weekend at a church retreat I don't know how but it is great weather out there. Go and have a good time as the sun begins to set pretty soon and get to watch a great baseball game. Auburn taking on Alabama State. Tigers looking to bounce back from not an optimal Saturday, and I talked about that yesterday. Now, I've discussed this with a couple of people, and they disagree with me to a degree. I don't think this past weekend was a good weekend for Auburn. You can say what you want about the Yale Bulldogs being picked to win the Ivy League. When has that ever been an accolade that is associated with a good baseball team. If they were in the SEC, what would they be? They'd be the worst team in the SEC, and it wouldn't be close. If they were in any other reputable baseball conference, that would be that they would be one of the worst teams in that league. And so I understand that they may have been picked to win the Ivy League. And I don't want to come down on Auburn too hard because, once again, it is baseball. But Saturday wasn't good. You can't cut it any other way. It wasn't good. You can't have that again. 
Auburn was, A, they were close to sweeping the series because they could have won in extras against Yale, but they were also dangerously close to losing the series. It took a walk-off in the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday for Auburn to even take two out of three against Yale. It was that close. They went punch for punch on Saturday with Yale. That's not a place that you want Auburn baseball to be at after what they did the, the first weekend on opening weekend against teams like Texas Tech and Kansas State, I thought we saw a little bit. I, I, I thought the pitching took a little bit of a step back. I'm going to be real. Now, yes, Yale may be picked to win the Ivy League. Once again, I hear you. But this baseball club has not played but 10 regulation baseball games since 2019. That's got to come with some type of repercussion, right? They had not played but 10 Division One baseball games in the spring slash winter months of college baseball since 2019. I just I don't think it was a good weekend for Auburn baseball. And this is a game where after how Auburn was tearing the cover off the ball going into that going after that Kansas State game, then the Troy game in the midweek, which those were great performances by Auburn baseball. Kansas State may be a bottom tier team in the Big 12. I still think that's a better baseball program than Yale. That's safe to say. And Auburn beat them 12-1. to And once again, it is still the game of baseball. And then there was Troy in the midweek. I still think Troy is pound for pound with Yale in terms of their baseball ability. Auburn destroyed them, was tearing the cover off the ball. Once again, yes, I know it's baseball. I'm just saying we need consistency from Auburn. And Saturday, and not saying that it's done for Auburn or anything like that, not saying that Auburn's going to fall apart or that they're not going to keep improving, that they can't hit the minimum record that we said on the show that we think they need to hit, which I think is 15-3 and coming out of non-conference play, in order for you to think, yeah, this team's in fairly good sitting going into SEC play. I get that. Auburn still can do all that regardless of what happened this past weekend. I'm just saying I hope this past weekend was just because, quote, it's baseball. I hope that's what this weekend was. I hope it's not a sign of potential inconsistencies with this team because what I saw the first two days was with Auburn baseball this year, they averaged three hits per game after the first two games. Then they tore the cover off the ball the next two, uh, the next three games. And then the last two games this weekend against Yale, I see them average four hits per game. I see pitching struggle to a degree. That's concerning for me. I would like to have seen Auburn build upon what they did in the first weekend, and I would have liked to have seen them sweep them. I think, that, I think that's completely fair. I've, I've had some people disagree with me on that. I think it's completely fair to say that an SEC team should expect to sweep Yale, a team that had played just 10 baseball games since 2019. 10. So, uh, you know, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm making such a big deal going into this week where Auburn is playing Alabama State and UAB in the midweek and then Rhode Island this weekend. I would like to see Auburn win all of those games. I, I think it's fair to expect Auburn to do that. Now, they may not, but and I've discussed this. You know, I, we, we, I was talking with Bill last week on the drive when I was there with him on Wednesday. I asked him about minimum record. He said 15-3. and three. I think it's fair to say, you know, look, you look at the non-conference schedule for Auburn, 15-3 and three is a fair record. They've already got two losses. You don't have a whole lot of wiggle room. It's time to start improving. You're going into the third weekend of non-conference baseball. Auburn needs to pick up some Ws this week. Continue to build on what they did. Uh, and hopefully establish some consistency. So that's kind of my take on Auburn baseball right now and where they're at. I'm not not at all saying it's doomsday or anything like that. 
There's still a lot of optimism for me about Auburn baseball. I was super, super excited about what happened this past week uh, on opening weekend. But likewise, that could have just been because, quote, it's baseball. If you want to say this past weekend is just because it's baseball, the first weekend could have been it's just baseball. You would hope that Auburn can establish some consistency in some positive ways coming up this week. So that's what I'm looking at for Auburn, a consistent week. They've got Alabama State tonight at 6 p.m. in Plainsman Park, UAB tomorrow in Plainsman Park at 6 p.m., and then four games against Rhode Island starting on Friday. That'll be 6 p.m. first pitch on Friday against Rhode Island, 2 p.m. for the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday, and then the second game of the doubleheader to be decided still. And uh, Sunday it is at 1 p.m. first pitch. You can catch the Sunday game on SEC Network Plus. You can catch Wednesday's game against UAB on SEC Network Plus. Other than that, it's just the good old-fashioned radio. We're going to take in your eyeballs out to the baseball park. So that's what's coming up for the Auburn baseball schedule. We're going to move along here in the program. Said we would talk about this today, talking a little Auburn basketball, and namely the AB Top 25 poll that was released yesterday. We talked about it a little bit, really didn't get into it too much. I have some issues with this week's AP poll, but I'll give some grace considering you look at what happened to Carnage on Saturday, and there are AP voters everywhere who don't watch every game in college basketball. There are AP voters who maybe just watch their team and don't even pay attention to the rest of college basketball. They were seeing all these losses, and they were panicking that they were going to get found out that they don't watch other teams playing basketball. Um, Gonzaga comes in at number one, not unanimous anymore, 46 first-place votes. Arizona at number two, no first-place votes. So everybody was consensus that a 16-point loss on the road for Arizona to Colorado was grounds for not giving them any first-place votes still, uh, but, but apparently still good enough to hold them at number two. Three, Baylor, four first-place votes for the Bears. Duke comes in at four with 11 first-place votes. The second amount of – the second largest vote-getter – in terms of first place votes, ends up fourth in the rankings. I like that Duke team. I have some concerns about their offensive ability, but if you look at their four games, then they've lost four games by a combined nine points. It's pretty good. Now, they're not nearly as good of losses as some of these other teams in front of them or around them inside the top ten, but they are a hard team to beat. Five is Auburn, six Kansas, seven Kentucky, eight Purdue, nine Providence, at 24-3 and three overall, 10 Wisconsin. That's your top 10 there. And I'll be real, I'm going to take some issues with the top 10. I think there are two SEC teams. It's, it's hard to vote a team like Tennessee into the top 10 when they were so far away at 17. It's hard to jump them that far. But if you're watching the Tennessee Volunteers play basketball right now, and you see them in back-to-back weeks beat Kentucky and Auburn. And granted, they did it on their home floor, but if you're watching this Tennessee team right now and you look at their resume and you see they've beaten Auburn, Kentucky, and Arizona, and you're seeing the way they're playing basketball right now, I don't know how you look at them compared to the carnage of what happened on Saturday and say, yeah, that's not a top-10 basketball team. I'd put them ahead of Providence right now. I know they're 24-3, and but... Providence, when the stage has gotten real, has gotten big for the Friars. Not that they've wilted, but they haven't won. I think it's fair to say that Tennessee's probably should be a lot closer to the top 10 than what they are right now. And then Arkansas at 14. What? 
They hold wins over Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky in back-to-back weeks, winners of 13 of their last 14 games. Once again, it goes back to the nature of the rankings. It goes back to the nature of the top 25 poll and how if someone loses, they have to drop. If someone wins, they have to increase. But there's a little bit of a barrier to how far someone can jump, right? It's very difficult for someone at 18. It's a gradual process. It's very difficult for someone at 18 to climb all the way into the top 10. But a 23-6 and Arkansas team whose only loss since they started out 0-3 in SEC play, once again, 13 of their last 14 games have been Ws. They hold wins over Kentucky, Tennessee, and Auburn. Their only loss is a one-point loss to Alabama on the road in Coleman Coliseum, who, by the way, has claimed victories over Gonzaga, Baylor, and Houston this year. All in Coleman Coliseum, aside from the Gonzaga game, that was in Seattle. They've been an incredibly difficult place to play. Auburn was only able to beat Alabama by like four or five points, whatever it was, in Coleman Coliseum. Arkansas's lone loss over their last 14 games was in Coleman Coliseum by one measly point to Alabama. And that's apparently excluding this team from being a top 10 team. Everything that Arkansas is putting on film right now is shouts tournament dark horse right now compared to where they are ranked and compared to where they're going to be seated. You want to talk about a team that got hot that that you want to talk about a team that could resemble a 2019 Auburn, maybe not necessarily in the way that they are that in the way that they score the basketball, but in the way that they got hot when they got hot and how they had to work through some serious adversity and then they started beating some serious teams. Yeah, Arkansas is a, a tournament dark horse in, in, in some brackets. This team loaded up on talent the offseason. We were wondering for a while if Arkansas win this team. It, it wasn't it wasn't if they were going to put it together. It was when they were going to put it together and ultimately. How high was this team going to climb when they did put it together? Because we knew this team was too talented to be losing to squads like Hofstra and double-digit losses to Oklahoma. We knew this team was better than 0-3 in the SEC. We just wondered, not if, but when. And then when they did it, let's see what this team can ascend to. And I'm telling you, Arkansas is a top-10 team. I don't understand. I think Arkansas got a better claim to the top 10 than Tennessee does, but I think both of those teams very well could have been in the top 10 this week. So that was your top 10. Number 11, Villanova, 12, Texas Tech, 13, Tennessee, 14, Arkansas. Also tied for 14, Houston, 16, USC, 17, UCLA, 18, UConn, 19, St. Mary's. They only got a four-spot jump for beating the number one team in the country. 20, Illinois, 21, Texas, 22, Murray State, 23, Ohio State. Kind of shocked to still see them at 23 after a 15-point loss to Maryland, a sub-500 team. I think you could have found someone outside the top 25 that potentially deserved some votes, but maybe not. 24, Iowa, and then 25, Alabama. Alabama goes undefeated this past week and drops a spot. Yet, once again, Ohio State can lose by 15 to Maryland and still stay inside the top 25 when they were at 22. I don't get it. And Ohio State's 18-8 and eight has been overly impressive over the last month. So you break that down, some teams receiving votes, Boise State, Davidson, Colorado State, South Dakota State, Notre Dame, LSU. Not a whole lot of votes to teams outside the top 25. There, there's not a big block of teams there at the bottom like there typically is. 
Um, I'm just saying, I got some gripes with AP poll this week, and you could have imagined that that was going to be so because of everything that happened this past Saturday and because of the nature of rankings. You feel like you've got to do something drastic because somebody lost. College basketball is not like football. Trevor on the phones, if you want to call him, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Trevor, imagine what would happen in college football if seven of the top ten teams, including every single one of the top six, lost in one weekend. Imagine what that would look like. (laughs) Imagine how much the uh, college playoff committee, the college football playoff committee, would have on their hands if their rankings were to be released. And that happened at this point in the year. This would be like seven of the top ten in college football lost in like week 12 or week 13 when when they're bringing out their rankings and they've got to do something drastic. Like, what, what do you do? What do you even do? That, that was how crazy and cataclysmic this past weekend was in college basketball. But then once again, none of that even really matters because you're going to put 68 of them into a melting pot battle royale in about two weeks, week and a half, and they're going to decide who the national champion is that way to all those people out there that say college basketball's regular season still matters. It does, but not nearly as much as college football Number to call 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502 if you've got anything you want to call in about Auburn sports-wise. If you've got questions about Auburn basketball, Auburn football, Auburn baseball, anything on your mind, we'll talk about it with you. Once again, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Of course, also with the AP rankings being released yesterday, the first day of March, can you feel it? And... A new bracketology from Joe Lenardi is released, and we'll take a look at that here going into the final week of the regular season. Of course, when conference tournaments get started next week, and really even this week as well, with some of the small and mid-major conferences getting started like the WCC this week, he's going to be updated on a more regular basis than just once or twice a week. It'll be almost every day, and then into next week it'll be every day, but you look at what he's got in bracketology right now. We'll take a look at the bubble and where it stands. Kind of keep this in mind. If you're a college basketball fan, if you're a college basketball junkie like me, the bubble is extremely important right now. One game can doom a team. One game can even make a team. And so let's look at what the bubble looks like right now going into the final week. And that may affect some of your viewing decisions with what games you watch this week. Last four buys right now, teams that Joe Lenardi deems to be safe without having to play in the first four. Creighton, San Francisco, Wake Forest, and Michigan. And what's crazy about that is you've got a team, and this tells you about the dynamics of the conferences and how little the ACC is viewed compared to what they are typically viewed as in college basketball. Wake Forest, just a week or two ago, was at the top of the ACC standings in a three to five team race between Duke, North Carolina, excuse me, Duke, Notre Dame, Miami, Wake Forest, North Carolina's been up there. Wake Forest is right there on the bubble right now, even though they're one of the ACC's top half teams, which typically that means you're a lock for the NCAA tournament, but Wake Forest is having to struggle bust their way in. You can't They cannot fail this week. They can't fail in the ACC tournament. They still have some work to be done. Last four in, Memphis, San Diego State, Indiana, and Rutgers, all four of those teams projected to play currently in the first four, according to Joe Lenardi. Indiana has been, it feels like they've been in the last four in for for a month now and that they've had to just keep winning. Of course, they've had some some losses to ranked teams, opportunities that could have 
put them in the field, could have moved them out of that last four-in spot. Uh, but right now, them and Rutgers, very important times for them in the Big Ten. First four out teams that are barely missing. Loyola Chicago has fallen to this spot. BYU, Oregon has moved up to this location. They creep closer to the tournament with some of their wins that they had last week, namely over teams like UCLA. They won some games that have put them closer to the field. SMU also a part of the first four out. And the next four out, you're farthest away without being excluded from the sheet altogether. Virginia Tech, Florida, St. Bonaventure, and Dayton. Florida's interesting. Horrendous record against ranked teams. They're like two and six. But they have that win over Auburn recently that's kept them on the verge. This is a team that has to win out this week, I think, to have a shot at the tournament. Just talking about the SEC right now. Florida with games against Vanderbilt and Kentucky. They got to beat Vanderbilt. And Kentucky would beating Kentucky may be just the push that they need if someone in front of them can lose could just be the push that Florida needs to get into the tournament field going into the SEC tournament. But if not, they're going to have to go on a run in the, in the SEC tournament. And where Florida currently stands in the SEC standings picture right now, Florida's in the middle of the pack. They are currently the number seven team in the SEC standings at the moment. So they'll be playing on the second day of the SEC tournament. That was a look at Bracketology kind of on the bubble right now. Some teams that are... Just looking at the SEC teams that are in the field right now and where their current standings are as far as what Joe Lenardi views them as in the tournament. Auburn, a two-seed. They've dropped down after last week. Kentucky, also a two-seed. Arkansas, a five-seed. That, I think, is still just too low. LSU, a six-seed. That, I think, is too high. Um, but, you know, what do, what do I know? I'm not a bracketologist. Alabama as a five-seed as well. Tennessee as a three-seed. And that appears to be all of the SEC teams currently deemed to be in the field of, of the six. Kind of just a, a group of them, a clump of them in that five and six territory in the NCAA picture. Not enough to, not enough praise for those teams to say that, that they deserve to be higher than a five seed, but not enough condemnation, condemnation for nine or ten losses like Alabama and LSU to say that they should be lower than a five or a six seed it's just kind of like yeah you're good but I don't think you're good enough to get uh more of a reward than where they're at and, and Arkansas is the head scratcher for me there but let's take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about a little bit of what happened last night in college basketball big night for the big 12 as well as we'll get you set for some of the things going on in college basketball tonight coming up at 3 30 we've got a recorded conversation with Lance Dahl of Auburn Daily and Locked On Kentucky stay tuned for that coming up on On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Got about a four-minute segment here before we go to our conversation with Lance Dahl, Bomber Daly at Lockdown, Kentucky. A lot of great things that he's got for us planned. We're going to talk about some of Auburn basketball shortcomings right now, but also reasons why it's not time to panic as well as this final week of the regular season in SEC basketball. It's it is an exciting time. Of course, th this is kind of the, oh my goodness, we're, we're still playing. It's the are we there yet week, I think, for a lot of teams. The the basketball players are in the back seat of the car calling out to their head coach, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. And I think there are a lot of teams that are kind of like, they're rolling in on fumes. They need, they need rest desperately. And Auburn's probably one of those teams. Uh, now, with that being said, Auburn still has more work 
to be done this week to do something historic. So I, I do. That's not to say that I don't think Auburn's locked in, but I. I do think that they were hoping to probably have it wrapped up by now, which is difficult to do. That's how hard this league is. So maybe, you know, for for Auburn fans out there that have been upset with the way that the last month has gone, maybe it's unrealistic expectations. This is still college basketball after all, and that's kind of where Auburn is at 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 the moment. Still some work to be done, but of course I think there's also some groaning, are we there yet? Uh, Baylor talking about last night on the college basketball scoreboard here for a couple of minutes. Last night was a big night in the Big 12, and the incumbents, if you will, maybe that's not the best word to be used here, but Baylor getting all the way up to number three with, with the injuries that they've had, with, with some of the questionable results that they've had, just close calls, you, you, it was fair to be like, hmm, did, should this team be this high? Well, last night they went on the road to play a Chris Beard-led team, which which Texas has been a good team this year, has been able to beat some good teams. They're at 21 in the rankings. They beat Texas last night on the road 68-61, to and that is above what Texas is allowing per game. They went in there and scored a lot of points for all intents and purposes against a Chris Beard-led defense, right? 68 points is not a lot in the grand scheme of college basketball, but against that defense, that that's not half bad. Texas gives up under 60 points a game, well under 60 points a game, and they dropped 68 on the road. I think Baylor played very well yesterday against Texas and kind of said, oh, you didn't think we deserved to be number three? Let me prove it to you. And they did that. They went on the road yesterday and played very well. Shot 41% from three. Um, just 12 turnovers against, once again, a very good defense. Uh, and once again, that 41% from three wasn't like they went like five for nine or four for nine or something like that. That This Baylor team not down nine threes yesterday to Texas, who was 17% from three, four for 23. Baylor shot 41%, so wasn't nearly as good inside the arc. Won the rebounding margin on the road. Once again, only 12 turnovers. I thought they had a good game on the road. Baylor right now playing shorthanded, but they're adapting. They're getting better without some of their key pieces. Big win for Baylor on the road yesterday, 68-61, to and that may very well. Of course, I do think there's still some work to be done. I think they do have to have a good showing in the – conference tournament i think they've got to have a good showing in the big 12 tournament but the reality is uh right now they are tied of course kansas has played a fewer game has played one fewer game games than baylor i should say at 12 and 3 in the conference baylor is 13 and 4 but in the standings they are zero games back 25 and 5 overall kansas is 23 and 5 they they do need to beat kansas state this week and they need to do well in the big 12 tournament but if i if i think if they do i think it's fair especially if kansas say kansas and baylor make the big 12 tournament championship both of them went out up until that point if kansas and baylor both do that i don't have any qualms with having those two teams as one seeds the the team that i think should be closer to the chopping block than any big 12 team outside of the one seeds right now is arizona and that's just because they play in a weak Pac-12 and taking that 16-point loss to Colorado. I just don't think they've I don't think they've done really anything impressive in terms of wins and losses. Their best win is over UCLA. It's UCLA. That's it. It's nothing special. They're like 17th. That would be like Auburn lauding a win over UConn or something like that if they were to have beaten UConn, and that was all Auburn had done. I just don't think it's enough. Let's take a quick break here when we come back. We've got Lance Daw of Auburn Daily locked on Kentucky here on the show.
Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Tuesday to everyone out there. And now joining me, good friend of the program, formerly of On the Line, Lance Dahl, now of Auburn Daily and the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. Lance, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing great, Noah. How are you doing? Doing really well. Well, let's talk a little Auburn basketball of course, we'll get to Kentucky in a little bit. They're all linked together. The top four is extremely close going into the final week of SEC regular season play. Auburn basketball's lost to Tennessee this past weekend. Takeaways from the Tigers' fall to the Vols. Well, honestly, I've got to say, on uh, all things considered, it's not an end-of-the-world loss, but it's still disappointing. I'll say that that was one of my immediate reactions after the Tigers' loss to the Volunteers this past weekend. Look, this is something that Bruce Pearl said in the post-game press conference. I asked him about his guard play, obviously was a concern in this matchup, and I said, what are you telling your guys to keep them confident? He said, well, in reality, when you look at our last three losses, you know, we lost to Arkansas by four. We lost to Florida by a possession, and we lost to Tennessee by five. And in all three of those games, our guard play could have been significantly better. And he said, so I'm telling the guys to just trust each other and imagine what we will be like if we can get some more consistency at that position. So I look at this Tennessee game, and I can we can dive into more of what we saw in the matchup specifically, but just immediate takeaway for me is, man, if Auburn can get just a little bit better of uh, just a little bit more production out of their guards down the stretch. I think this team is going to be incredibly dangerous. Obviously, Wendell Green Jr. Uh, for the Tigers not, did not play very well. I believe he was 2 of 14 or 2 of 15 from the field. We need him to be more consistent uh, moving down the line. But, you know, props to Tennessee. Apparently, it was an incredible atmosphere. I was not there. Your co-host, Jacob Goins, was. Apparently, it was just a phenomenal atmosphere in Thompson Bowling Arena. It's just one of those games where – it might be frustrating that Auburn lost and that the game was close, but when you, whenever you consider everything that's going on, I mean, it's really tough to win in the SEC on the road right now. And so I just think that at the end of the day, this is not the worst loss in the world. But I will say one area that affects the Tigers significantly is their potential ability to win the SEC regular season championship outright. Speaking with Lance Dahl of Daily Auburn and Locked On Kentucky Lance, talking about the guard play, Wendell Green Jr. is a guy that you mentioned. Auburn's only guard that really played well on Saturday was KD Johnson. Got to get better point guard play, but what is your overall opinion of this backcourt in terms of their ability to lead this team on a national championship run? The thing that is synonymous with winning national championships is March. And looking at my phone right now, guess what? It's March. It's guard play. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Your guards have to be in sync and playing very well in order for you to make a legitimate run in the NCAA tournament. I think when you look at Auburn's guard play right now, you look at Katie Johnson, a guy that was an incredibly hot shooter at Georgia last season. I believe he was shooting about 38%. This season at Auburn, he started the season off well, but his play has not been very good down the stretch. He did play well against the Volunteers, I will say that. And then you look at a guy like Wendell Green, obviously everybody knows was fogging threes up and knocking them down from just about everywhere on the court early on in the season. And he's still been able to do that at times uh, during this SEC slate, but he's certainly not been able to do it uh, to the ability that he was uh, shooting at the beginning of the season. So I think Auburn's guard play 
is certainly, I guess, a little down right now. And then you look at a guy like Zepp Jasper. I mean, he dropped 15 points against Ole Miss just the other night, just reminding everybody that, hey, he can score. He is a legitimate threat. But uh, zero points on 0-2 shooting against the Volunteers uh, last weekend, I believe. So right now, Auburn's guard play is not – uh, is not reminiscent of a team that would go on a legitimate NCAA tournament run, but I think they have the ability to certainly improve here down the stretch. And I think one of the things that's going to make Auburn fans very happy is realizing and acknowledging the fact that the NCAA tournament's not played in Bud Walton Arena. The NCAA tournament's not played in Thompson Bowling Arena. It's a neutral site game, and I think that Auburn is going to have a legitimate opportunity both in the SEC tournament and NCAA tournament to kind of come together as a team. And I think Bruce Pearl can certainly get them together. Now, I think I remember you writing an article about a certain type of basketball. And correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I'm curious, do you buy into all of this Nike versus Wilson basketball stuff? So I thought it was interesting to note because I saw some people on Twitter uh, discussing the type of basketball that Auburn uses to play at home. Auburn uses a Wilson basketball uh, to play at home, and they shoot a legitimate percentage uh, at, at home. And then you look at their comparison on the road. They average, I believe, 83 points a game at home and then 73 points on the road whenever they use a different type of basketball. And most teams in the SEC use Nike basketball. And so I thought it was interesting to note, well, let's look at all the different times Auburn's used a Nike ball this season, and let's look at all the different times they've used Wilson basketballs and see how they've succeeded. And more often than not, Auburn has really struggled to shoot uh, with anything that is in a Wilson ball. I said at the very end of the article that I don't think that the type of basketball Auburn's using is necessarily costing them games, but I certainly thought it was interesting to look at. It's like there's a significant dip in production whenever the Tigers don't use a Wilson basketball, I actually went back to something that we were just talking about. Is I think Auburn's lack of efficiency on offense has to do a lot with their guard play, and that simply just has to improve here down the stretch. But I do think that it is interesting. Auburn plays much better with a Wilson basketball, and wouldn't you know it, Auburn doesn't play with a Nike basketball for the rest of the season. They play at Mississippi State. I believe they either use Wilson or Adidas. I might be wrong. And then they play at home, obviously going to use a Wilson basketball. And then the SEC and NCAA tournaments also use a Wilson. So I think there's potential for Auburn to have a lot of momentum here at the end of the uh, the season for the reasons that I listed earlier. And then also, I mean, again, neutral site and you got a Wilson basketball. I buy into it a little bit to answer your question, but I don't think it's the main reason. Uh, why Auburn's losing. I just think thought it was something interesting to take a look at. Moving on, looking at this week's AP Top 25 poll, Auburn has probably the best loss of many of the teams inside the top 10 that fell. Seven of the top 10 falls this past weekend. Auburn and Kentucky probably have the two best losses, but they also take Auburn, I think, comparatively speaking, had a severe drop of two spots when you compared them to Gonzaga, losing to a team by 10 that was ranked outside the top 20. And then Arizona, an unranked loss by 16 to Colorado. It was interesting, to say the least, to look at the top 25 this week. Your thoughts on where Auburn stands inside the top 10? Well, I'm definitely glad that Auburn, despite their recent losses, is still within the top five of the AP poll. And I think that's primarily because there's a lot of other teams at the top that are losing as well. Like you just mentioned, seven of the top 10 teams this past weekend 
all lost, which was just absolutely insane. I'm happy with where Auburn sits at five. Um, I'm, that's, I think, honestly, that's just about as, as good as it could get, all things considered. I mean, you look at the teams in front of them. Duke uh, is playing very well right now. Baylor's playing very well right now. They just got a nice win on the road last night against Texas. Arizona, like you mentioned, just lost by 16 to Colorado. So it's a little confusing why Arizona didn't go down. But I understand, considering everybody losing, like some teams have to stay in the same place and some teams have to go. I will say this, though. Gonzaga losing to St. Mary's. Having to watch that game, it was just so odd. It was like Gonzaga was playing a team that was just running in sand all night. And no knock on St. Mary's. They're obviously a very good basketball team. But uh, Gonzaga, while they still may be deserving of that number one ranking, uh, really confused as to what their ceiling is now that we head into March, considering they just lost to a team that I don't think a national championship contender would lose to. But I may be completely wrong on that. But to go back to Auburn, Again, I think five is good. I think sitting in front of Kansas and Kentucky still is good. And I think Auburn has the ability to kind of capitalize here, maybe work their way back into the top three, maybe work their way onto the number one seed line again. So I'm very optimistic about the Tigers right now, and I'm very pleased that they're ranked where they are. Speaking with Lance Dahl of the Locked On Kentucky podcast, as well as Auburn Daily, the recently launched Sports Illustrated site for Auburn, Lance I asked this question yesterday to two of our guests. I'm now going to field this question to you. Top four of the SEC right now as it stands. Auburn, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Tennessee. That's the top four of the SEC standings. Rank those teams for me. Power rankings or going into this final week, after what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, rank those four teams for me right now. To rank those four teams right now, I think when you look at the individual head-to-head matchups, obviously Auburn losing to both Tennessee and Arkansas recently, Kentucky losing to both Tennessee and Arkansas recently, and, and the Auburn. Volunteers exactly, and then and then the Volunteers lost to to Arkansas. So I actually I put a power rankings out just yesterday at number four. Right now, I know I host a podcast for them. I've got Kentucky. Their guard play, very similar to Auburn, has kind of been iffy here down the stretch. Kentucky right now dealing with injury. Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler did play uh, this past game against Arkansas, but they were not incredibly efficient. I think Wheeler shot five of like 14, and then uh, Washington was three of 12. They've just simply not been the same since they both got injured. So I have Kentucky at four. Uh, And then at number three, I have Auburn. Again, to go back to what we were saying earlier, the guard play simply just has to get better. Uh, Auburn right now really needs needs a shot in the arm offensively. At number two, despite their ability to just completely fall apart at different points on offense, I've got Tennessee because they're winning right now and they're beating legitimate teams. Now, would they beat those teams if it was played on a neutral site or even on the road? I don't know. It's 50-50. They're 5-5 on the road. Exactly. So I'm interested to see what they do in the SEC tournament, and I'm interested to see what they do in the NCAA tournament. I'm not a huge believer in the Tennessee Volunteers, but as of right now, they're probably playing like the second-best team in the conference, and then at number one, I have Arkansas. Winners of 13 of their last 14 games, they're absolutely on fire. Early on in the season, Arkansas didn't know how to play defense. They do now, and that's a huge concern for opposing teams. I think right now Arkansas is probably the best team in the conference the must bust is really rolling heading into march 
Fun fact about the Arkansas Razorbacks that most people don't know, they're the only team in the conference undefeated against ranked opposition. Yep, that's right. They, I believe they beat Arkansas, excuse me, they beat Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, and Kentucky all this year. It's really impressive what the Hogs have done here late. Uh, it, you know, peaking at the right time is, is the name of the game. And their guard play with J.D. Note has been absolutely phenomenal. If you got to watch that Kentucky-Arkansas game this past weekend, watching him just kind of blow by everybody and get to the rim essentially at will uh, was really impressive to watch. He's got a little bit of a three-point shot as well. Arkansas seems like they have the makings of a, of a Cinderella team. They've got a star player. They've got solid defense. They've got legitimate role players, and they've got a coach who legitimately knows what he's doing. I'm really excited about the Hogs right now. Couple more questions to you before we let you go. Last question to you about Auburn: Do they win the regular season championship outright? I think they do. Right now, I think that Auburn has a legitimate shot to go on the road and beat Mississippi State. Something that's bothered bothered Auburn this season is length at the guard position on opponent teams because defensively, Auburn's guards really seem to struggle against high ball pressure. You and I talked about that last Friday. I believe, on the on, on the line. And so I think Mississippi State is going to give Auburn problems, but at the end of the day, Auburn's front court, I think, is much more talented than Mississippi State's front court, and that's saying something, considering Tolo Smith and Garrison Brooks are very talented within their own right. So I think Auburn gets it done on the road, and then South Carolina is currently trying to get somewhere near uh, the, 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 uh, the, the bubble, but I don't think they're going to be able to do so. They've got Missouri, and then they've got Auburn to end the season they're most likely going to be i believe maybe an nit team potentially vying for a spot in the nit championship uh, offensively they're not very good not incredibly efficient so i think that auburn will be able to win that game at home probably convincingly uh so yeah i think auburn wins out and then they clinch the uh regular season championship outright taking a look at the kentucky wildcats for a moment your opinion on them going into the final two games of the regular season. Of course, this is a team that needs to get healthy. Well, there are several things that I think Kentucky needs to do, obviously, like you just mentioned. Number one, getting healthy. And then number two, really figuring out who their shooters are on offense. Kellen Grady uh, is, is the small forward for the Cats. He transferred in from Davidson. is a phenomenal three-point shooter. I believe he's shooting 44% on the year from three. And Kentucky has really struggled – these past two games to get Kellen Grady going. They struggled to do it against LSU, and they struggled to do it against Arkansas. Teams have really keyed in on the fact that he's essentially Kentucky's only legitimate shooter. I will say that something that Kentucky has to do is get him more open looks, find ways to make the offense more versatile so that teams don't just clamp down on Oscar Shibway and Kellen Grady. So I think asking Davion Mintz, Ty Ty Washington to step up as shooters Making this offense more versatile here in these final two games, I think it's going to go a long way for the Wildcats in setting themselves up for a deep NCAA tournament run. So I think getting healthy and then making your offense more ver- uh, more versatile. And then finally, something that has been a little bit of a concern recently is getting back on defense. I need to see Kentucky play well in transition defensively here over these final few games. Now, Florida and Mississippi are not going to stress the Wildcats very much in transition, at least I don't believe. But when you get into the SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament, you're going to face teams that really like to run the court. And so I think right now something that Kentucky has to prepare themselves with is making sure that they understand how to get back on defense so that teams don't absolutely run by them uh, come March. 
Lance, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Tell everybody where they can find all your content and keep up with you. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDaw underscore. You can follow my show, Locked On Kentucky, at, on Twitter at Locked On UK. And then you can listen to Locked On Kentucky wherever you get your podcasts. And then also, I write for AuburnDaily.com, talking all things Auburn sports. It's a new uh, Sports Illustrated website. Lance, I appreciate it, my man. Hope you have a good rest of your afternoon. Thank you, Noah. Thank you so much for having me on, man. That was Lance Daw of Auburn Daily and Locked On Kentucky. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Got about four minutes left on the show. If you missed any of today's show, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Big thank you to Lance Dahl, Auburn Daily, Lockton, Kentucky, for joining us in that previous segment. And now joining me on the show for the last segment, we've got intern Trevor Culligan <laughs> on the program with me now, man. It's good to have you on the show. Appreciate you hopping on. Hey, I'm just happy to be here, man. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. I know that you're at Auburn right now. You got plans and everything. What's going on with you? Yeah, so I'm at Auburn. It's my last year, actually last semester. Um, I'm a journalism major, and so I needed an internship, and Noah's my guy. He just hooked me up. <laughs> ben Taylor's your guy, too, just yeah. saying. <laughs> if Ben Taylor's out there listening, he'd be like, what? <laughs> what? Disrespect. I know, right? 334-321-1390 if you want to call in here for this last segment. Got Trevor Culligan with me on the show now. Just wanted to give people an insight into the guy behind the phone line. Um, and we got one more segment here as Jacob Goins is out on his way to Lee Scott Baseball. That game should be getting started if it hasn't already on AU100. That's 100.3 FM. We're going to get you set for tonight's college basketball lineup as well. Trevor, what's a big game that you're looking out for tonight? Tonight at 4.30, actually. We've got a Big East matchup. 5.30. 5.30, correct. You were thinking that that was Eastern time. <laughs> That's correct. So we got Providence versus Villanova. Number 9 versus number 11. Now, this team, two, two weeks ago they played? I think it was the 15th, they said. Yeah, February 15th. And Villanova actually upset Providence. It was 89 to 84. That's right. And Big East standings, you talk about this one. Nine and a half point favorites are the Wildcats, which is kind of crazy to me, but they are at home playing very well right now. They just took a two point loss to UConn on February 22nd. Uh, so it's been a little bit since these guys have played. But this game is significant because Villanova's one game back in the conference standings. Villanova wins tonight, it equalizes a bit in Providence's dream season take a little bit of a tumble so that would not be uh ideal i don't think for the providence friars uh looking at a big game that i've got on the docket for tonight uh you could go out to the big 10 where number 10 wisconsin is hosting number eight purdue 8 p.m on espn you look at the big 10 standings going into this game purdue and wisconsin wisconsin's atop the stands at 14 and 4 purdue one game behind them. If Purdue were to win this game on the road, you would have quite the tie potentially, considering Illinois is also at 13 and 5. Um, there's still a lot to unfold in the Big Ten regular season standings. Uh, Purdue wraps up the regular season against Indiana on Saturday. Uh, just the potential for a three way tie uh, or for a two way tie across the top with Purdue and Wisconsin. So that's a big game tonight in the Big Ten. Some SEC games. Tennessee's on the road at Georgia. Ole Miss is at Kentucky. Uh, let's see. 
there's any other big games in the SEC. I think that's about it for the SEC. Uh, Florida's at Vanderbilt, and then some other just top 25 action. Arizona's at USC. That's two versus 16. And Kansas is at TCU. Overall, a good schedule tonight. Well, it should be a good schedule tonight. A lot of top 10 ranked teams playing tonight. That's right. With conference regular season conference championship implications on the line and that's what you've got to look forward to tonight on the college basketball slate trevor appreciate you hopping on with me man i appreciate it man that was trevor culligan on the line with me intern trevor culligan coming up we got the drive with bill cameron from 4 to 6 p.m we'll be back to take you through what happened in tonight's college basketball slate tomorrow you know where to find us